there, and welcome to episode 70 of the Night Gary Podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're talking about the last rites of a dead druid. It's the second story from episode 18 of season 2. Written by Alvin Sapinsley, directed by Jeno Swark. And um, shows a lot earlier than when Doctor Who did it, that uh, statues can be scary. To those amongst you with a predilection toward antique collection, or the occasional bargain hiding that takes place in out-of-the-way nooks and stalls, this painting suggests a certain required wariness when it comes to your shopping. Because there are moments when behind some dusty book or in a cobwebbed corner of an ancient vestibule, you'll uncover a little object dart which can horrify the heck out of you. Such being the case in this painting, when a lady goes junking about and uncovers a mythological statue that has lived past its time and intrudes on hers, we call the painting The Last Rites for a Dead Druid. So, Jeannie and her friend Mildred have got very excited and bought a, a statue for quite a large amount of money from a, a mixture. It's like a, an antique shop stroke um, junk shop, really. And uh, Bruce, uh, Jeannie's husband, played by Bill Bixby, is not happy with the uh, with the purchase. It, it, the, the statue itself is quite an intimidating and frightening figure, uh, dressed in robes and looks like he's screaming. And also, he's, Bruce is least pleased when Jeannie mentions the fact that the reason why she bought it was because she thought it actually looked like him. Was not something he particularly sees himself, or indeed I think he wants to see. Things get odder the next day when he sees footprints that have appeared almost burnt like into the lawn of his house, or the lawn of his, you know, his garden. And uh, he goes to see the antiques dealer, Mr. Bernstein, to try and work out exactly what's going on and to try and get an idea of the background of this statue. Rather gleefully, Bernstein begins and explains that he's actually, although for the first time you know, in a long time, he'd actually found out, after it had been sold, the story behind the statue. He tells a story of a very, very nasty, nasty man. A man called Bruce the Black. Father Ballymaster, referred to as Bruce the Black. There! What is there supposed to mean? Well, Mildred said that you would claim him as a great-great-grandfather. Oh, uh, I would rather claim Mildred as a third cousin. Well, you're about to claim her as a dinner guest in about a half an hour. Oh, no. Mm. You'd better start the barbecue. What else does it say about him, huh? Well, enough to suggest that you may not have been as delighted as you might have imagined had I really been descended from Bruce the Black. It seems he practiced sorcery. Yeah? Yes, and the religious ceremonies of his particular order were purely satanic. And the worshippers followed their leader's habit of debauchery and raping, as well as sacrifices both animal and human on equinoxial celebrations. I mean, that is, um, 
according to, uh, what well, it states here, to the 18th edition of the Malfacorum, later deleted, he maintained his primacy among his order of fellow murderers and immoralists by the power of turning any would-be attackers into stone. And with that, we also find out that Brewster Black was able to control his followers, this sinister occult leader, by being able to petrify them, turn them into stone. This is a war in development, but you know, it's, it's obviously can be cast away as a bit of a folk tale, but becomes more pertinent when, for Bruce, the statue seems to be able to move more, and also now is able to control him. He makes a move on Mildred and grabs her and tries to kiss her, and um, where he then starts to see a vision of himself in the fire of a barbecue, and uh, seeing that. You know, but with a beard and, and uh, urging him to uh, to kill, to make a sacrifice. In this case, to kill a cat. And if it wasn't for um, his housekeeper walking him on on the last before just before he does it, he would have killed the animal as a sacrifice. Things take a very very distinctly bleaker turn for Bruce that night. Though he wakes to see the statue in his doorway. The statue is urging him to kill his wife Jeannie so he can be with Mildred. He manages to shake off that feeling and the power it has over him, um, although it's tough for him, and then the statue disappears. He goes downstairs, grabs a crowbar and attempts to attack the statue, but there's a flash and Jeannie hears a scream. When she runs downstairs, she sees a new statue. The old one disappeared, and it appears to be of Bruce. We flick over to um, to a new scene, Mr. Bernstein's junk shop, uh, seemingly the next day. Mildred is trying to sell the new statue, which looks increasingly, well, it does look like Bruce, and also has a, a very strong similarity to the one he, uh, Bernstein originally sold. And it becomes clear, a little bit clearer that maybe Mildred knew more than she was letting on. A nice piece, I gotta admit it. A very nice piece. Good stone, fine condition. How much is she asking for this piece, young lady? I'm sure Mrs. Tarday won't refuse any reasonable offer, Mr. Bernstein. If she'd offer me the pair together, I could give her a good price. The pair of them together would be very valuable. Very valuable, I can tell you. It's a pity she isn't offering the pair of them. Yes, isn't it? A great pity. See, although I mentioned Bill Bixby in this, interestingly enough, I've got Bill Bixby being, you know, a comedian, who ended up in the, in the you know being uh, Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk? Um, the actual story will have been sold more on other people in it. Donna Douglas, who played Mildred, and also the Doc, who was in um, in the waiting room, was also uh, was played by Buddy Epson, 
who both were in uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, a show that had just come to an end. So, um, the uh, the people who marketing Night Gallery used that as a way to to sell their uh, their their stories, and it'd been obviously those two been put together for that for that purpose. It's classed as original story, although it actually originally based on the 1935 short story Out of the Eons which was written by Hazel Heald and H.P. Lovecraft um, and it is told in a in a Lovecraftian way and it's about an archaeological it's very um, the, the, well it bears similarities to Lovecraft in terms of like an archaeological dig uh, a relic and um, that kind of thing that, that, that you know pri- uh, you know a museum piece that is, uh, well, destined to be a museum piece that a, a scientist kind of gets burnt and gets a bit too close to stuff. Um, in terms of similarities, um, Sir Pinsley says that um, it bore none by the end, and that, that bears out if you if you if you manage to hunt out the book, it is uh, it basically bears the most resemblance to. Um, the fact that it's obviously involves occult elements to it, and also the the ending is a similarity to there as well. It is available still. Um, I mean, if you literally type in the phrase "Out of the Aeons" by H. G. Lovecraft and Hazel Held, this story pops up on one of the fa- on one of the Lovecraft fan sites. It was originally in a a book called "The Horror in the Museum" and other revisions. Which I think, if you can, you can should still be able to get hold of in some places. Indeed, if you look at, say, for Amazon, for example, it, it's available for, not cheaply, but it is available. Um, I think, in a more modern sense, this, the the horror of a statue that uh, seemingly is able to move towards you when you're not looking. Is uh, is best utilised. Uh, fans of Doctor Who will probably say Blink and the Weeping Angels uh, monsters in that. Um, I don't know if this was influenced by you know, Blink was anyway influenced by that story or by by, by this this tale. But um, certainly, um, when you see like you know the, the the glance away and the glance up and the the statues moved, there's a there's a similar kind of tone to the two. Um, this is another one of the stories that slightly faced cuts, not for creative reasons, as in other reasons, other times, but because of uh, violence. In this case, the cat barbecue, where um, I think Schwark wanted to uh, show our cat slightly getting burnt, a little singed, um, but obviously the the censors at, at NBC we're not standing for that kind of thing. It's kind of fun, I would say, as a review mainly. The thing that stands out about it is uh, probably Ned Glass's performance as uh, Mr. Bernstein and Donegal Douglas as well as Mildred. Um, they're both characters who, who inject an element of fun about it, which plays off the horror. Certainly the Bernstein character, when, it, when everything's introduced, he's, um, he's, he's kind of the world's worst salesman, the way he put, goes out trying to get the sale for the statue and... It's kind of a, it's kind of a fun way it's being put together. I, I enjoyed that a great deal. 
I think a lot of the horror comes from obviously the the, the scene with the statue and, and you know the possession kind of element, losing control, the foreign item coming into somebody's house. But also, it doesn't bother to answer a lot of questions. Um, Mildred, that scene at the end when Mildred pops back to to get rid of the statue to sell it on opens up more questions than it probably answers. Where did she get the statue from? What's happened to Jeannie? Did she know from the start something terrible was going to happen? And um, the way she acts kind of indicates that she had other plans and um, that's quite interesting in itself. This uh, person that's led, led poor old Jeannie and Bruce to their rather sad, doomed conclusion. This is where it ends. Okay, if you want to get hold of me, easiest way is on the website, www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com. You can get hold of me on my private Twitter at orange, at orange underscore monkey. Or, you know, there's various other links on our website, twilightzonenetwork.com, where you can, you know, leave messages on any of the articles or email me at chris at twilightzonenetwork.com. Um, lots of different ways to get in touch with Facebook as well and also on Twitter. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, next week we're doing uh, a rod sailing story. Um, it's one that some people like, some people hate. Uh, I quite like it. It's called Deliveries in the Rear, although it has got its problems. But um, it is an unusual tale in Night Gallery, simply because it isn't one that uh, embarks on the supernatural. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.